This is the Discuss Metal Podcast with Mike Perez of No Bragging Rights. Hosted by Dan Terry and David Van Zant. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Discuss Metal Podcast. I have with me tonight Mike Perez of No Bragging Rights. How are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing well, man. It's been quite the uh, crazy past couple of weeks. Um, I'm not going to talk too much about, about um, you know, like virus stuff or whatever, because a dude mm-hmm. literally just messaged me the other day and said, I love the fact that your show doesn't talk about virus stuff. <laughs> That's a thing that we don't do, for sure. <laughs> just kind of went with it. It's about the music, man. Absolutely. Well, and uh, with us tonight is David Van Zant, the newest member of DiscussMetal.com. What's going on? Not, not too much, dude. We're uh, you. Get, it's still daylight where you guys are at. I'm so jealous. It's like nighttime here in St. Louis. You guys are two hours behind me and still have so much more of your day left than I do. Let's take it up talking to each other. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, um, one of the things, and you know, I, I will talk about. We will talk about music here in a little bit. But one of the biggest things uh, for you, Mike, is you've been doing Instagram live videos pretty much any chance you get it seems like um and i guess uh i guess i'm wondering you know what what inspired you to start doing that uh it i kind of i literally just trying to find something to pass the time you know and um I'd, i'd kind of been asked before to like you know explain uh explain some of our songs and so that kind of was like with the idea kind of started where i was like oh you know i'll just i'll go on live and i'll just talk about a song and uh and so i would i would do that and like it was kind of it was kind of awkward because I've never really done that before, and uh, I kind of figured out that I could I could read like comments while they were while they're happening, and so I was I like I because I didn't know what I was doing, so it was a weird a weird mix of like well wait should I stay on course of what I'm like talking about the song or should I answer questions and then if, eventually I just liked answering questions more so like I don't know it just became like an open kind of discussion like I'll pick uh, I'll pick like a song and then we'll. I'll start to talk about it, but the minute I get any kind of questions, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll go into that. And, and then it just became something like, Hey, I'm going on and like, I have nothing to do right now. So I'm going on in like, you know, half hour, if anybody wants to jump in, throw me a topic. And so it just kind of became like, uh, yeah. So now, now, now it's just either, I either talk about, uh, songs or I'll just literally go on and see what, uh, what's going on in the world and see what everybody wants to talk about. That's cool. And, and is it, is it cool for you, you know, being able to, um, to reach out to people, you know, during, during a time where it's hard for people to get out and stuff was, was there any inspiration for that where it's like, well, I need something to do. These people are here. Um, is it a good feeling? I guess, you know, the people are asking you questions. I know I came on like a deer in headlights a few nights ago on Instagram live and I was like, I'm just testing this out. I don't know how this works. I don't know how any of this works. And people were like watching and asking me questions and stuff. And I was like, uh, I gotta go, you know, <laughs> um, cause I'm terrified of doing stuff live. And, um, but I mean, was that, was that a kind of a cool response for you? It seems like you've had some pretty deep discussions on there. Yeah, dude. It's, and, and so it's, you know, I, I rarely, I mean, I think everyone for the most part, mo- most of the people who, come, who check in, they either know about my band, uh, you know, or they know which, which if they know about my band, they know about like the whole mental health thing. And then, and then if it's somebody who doesn't know me from the band, then they know that I'm going to school to be like a social worker and mental health, you know? So it's like, I feel like the discussion 
goes there pretty often. Like I think people, which is rad. I think I've like, not just myself, but the people who've been kind of showing up regularly. Like we've, I feel like we've created like a, like a safe space. And so we'll literally be talking about anything. And then like somebody will kind of just jump in and be like, man, I had a bad day or, or, Hey, does anyone, you know, am, am I wrong in feeling like this? And they'll talk about, you know, something that, that happened to them when they were younger or something that they're going through currently. And, and, um, and so it's, it's, it's really, it's been, it's been interesting kind of having that kind of discussion. Cause I, I, I'm kind of freaked out too about the whole live thing. Right. Cause I don't, I don't know what people are going to say or what, what's going to happen, but I mean, it's, it's been, I don't know, it's been nice. And I think it's, it's nice to have a place where like people can kind of just go to hang, hang out in general. And then, and then, uh, you know, there's some nights where I'm not even the one really talking. Like sometimes I'll just invite somebody on my feed and then they'll just kind of either share their story or people will just start asking them about their question. I'm kind of just sitting back, you know, I just kind of see it as I facilitate. That's how I see it now. I'm just like a facilitator. So that's awesome. Um, so I'm going to, I'm, we're going to come back to that, uh, later, later on in the discussion, but I, I always like ripping this off of one of my other favorite podcasts as the story grows, where he always is the first question he always asks people is what got you into music. So I'm not going to ask that exact same question, but I'm going to ask mm-hmm. what got you into punk and hardcore. So we got, so punk rock for me was, I got into it super young, man. Like at, at, at like, uh, at 10 years old, um, I kind of, my, my friend's older brother basically was just kind of like. Oh, so you like alternative music? Like, what do you like about this and that? And he was smart, dude. Like, he he broke. He basically got me to admit that, like, I was like, I like fast music. Um, I don't really like screaming that much, but I can do it, I guess. And so, and so he kind of went from the, you know, and this is all kind of radio stuff. And he's like, well, from these bands, what do you like? And I think it was like Bad Religion, and you know, you know, it was Metallica. And I was like, well, I like, I kind of like Bad Religion more. It's like, okay. I don't know. It was weird. So like, I, I kind of figured out pretty early on that I liked punk rock and I, I carried that, you know, till now. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know. I got, um, I just, why I got it, why I think why I stuck with it is, um, I'm like, a, I'm, you know, I'm my dad's Mexican, my mom's Peruvian, but I was raised here, you know? So like my Spanish is kind of non-existent. Um, I before before punk rock it was like the Beach Boys you know for me <laughs> it was it was a uh, it was like Motown stuff it was you know not the typical Hispanic upbringing you know both my parents um, they they're both fluent in both but they spoke we spoke English in the house you know and uh, and so I think I kind of grew up with this like not quite being like like white enough for like my white friends but then like definitely not being like you know Hispanic enough for like my Hispanic friends. And so I think I always grew up like kind of in different worlds. And I, I like that punk rock was like that, you know, a place where people, uh, you know, didn't feel like where they, you know, they didn't quite fit in anywhere else. And so that's what kind of, I think drew me to punk rock. And then hardcore, I think was just like the, the natural like evolution from, from punk rock for me, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was hard for me to get into at first. Cause I, I didn't truly understand what hardcore was. I was, I, I thought it was more like metal, you know? And I've I've never been like big into metal. Like I, I, I can appreciate it. And there's some bands that I like, you know, for sure. But that wasn't like, it wasn't appealing to me until finally, um, you know, I'll give, I'll give credit to my, my ex. Uh, she was like kind of the first, first one to really be like, you know, that like hardcore is basically punk rock. 
right? It's like the, it's like the same thing. And so she kind of would show me bands. She showed me Bane. Oh, nice. And I was like, for the longest time, I was like, this is a punk band, you know? <laughs> She's no, like, no it's hardcore. technically hardcore, yeah. Yeah, you know, and then, uh, and then, and then I think the the one that kind of like was like a staple for me. Was, oh, was oh, no one can see this, but it's a uh, is Ignite, you know? Because Ignite was like my one of my all time favorite bands. And at the time, I wouldn't say they are now, but at the time, she's like, you know, this, they're like a hardcore band, right? They are hardcore, yeah. Like, it's, yeah. yeah. So I was just like, oh, shit. I was like, okay, well, okay. I was like, I'll give it a shot. And then I just, I found love, man. Like, so when I started going to hardcore shows, it's just a whole different, you know, vibe. It's a whole different energy. It's uh, terrifying and exciting. And uh, yeah, man, I just, I, I would say I, I fell in love with hardcore around 2000, 2004, 2005, around there. And around that time was like, you know, you're in Riverside, California. That's like one of the meccas of hardcore, especially on the West Coast. Oh, yeah. One, one town over Corona, you got the Showcase Theater. So, like, once you get into hardcore, it's kind of impossible not to be surrounded by it once you start getting in that scene where you live. Right. And especially seeing hardcore shows at Showcase Theater, like, dude, it was like the energy there was insane, man. And like that, just that venue is awesome. But like to see hardcore shows there, it, and I and I'd grown, I grew up there. I grew up there like, you know, 98 to 98, 99 is when I actually started going to shows. And like, you know, 2003, 2004 is when I started slowly getting into hardcore. Then just seeing just it was just like a hardcore show is just different, man. You know what I mean? It's just like whereas in punk rock, there's circle pits and stage dives, you know, but hardcore show. I mean, there's there's that there's two stepping there's side to side. There's, you know, straight up there, you're hardcore dancing. There's guys head walking there's you know what i mean it's just like insanity so i was i loved it man i loved it so was it that kind of frenetic energy of because you know you'd mentioned that you know you know i like sure metallica's cool but bad religion's cooler is is was it just the lack of structure kind of in a way where it was like everybody just jump everybody just jump <laughs> in when they jump in and just the speed the aggression yeah i think so i think it's just, and, and also i mean there, there is like elements of punk rock that, because like you know, there, there are some metal bands that have like cheesy harmonies, you know, and I say cheesy in a nice way. I love harmonies, but like, but you know, like a band like Bad Religion, you know, even No Effects, No Effects have like really sweet harmonies, you know. And I, I've always, I always dug like the the melodic side of things, and I always, I always just felt like uh, for like punk bands, even the ones where, that didn't have singing, I always just felt like there was a little bit more melody for some of these songs, um, and metal was a little more. I think also too. I think metal was always like a little more like a uh, like like sophisticated, you know, <laughs> and yeah, not being structured. Good, yeah, and not being like a good musician myself as far as like playing guitar. I always felt like I was like, well, this I don't know. Punk rock just felt like more fun. I felt like metal was a little more serious. <clears throat> so you're a fan of metal. You're a fan of hardcore. Mm-hmm. Um, you're a fan of punk. Is that why you know when the band first started out, you're you're bigger. It seemed like it seemed like it was a bigger swing towards punk than hardcore and just kind of turned into that. Yeah. Yeah, we and we kind of we kind of went toward like almost like a metalcore route. Yeah. And I I think it's cuz like we all did. So yeah. Yeah. You know, and and I think especially like the the punk rock kid who hears, you know, who at, at that time heard like Azalea Dying or like Kill Switch, then it's like, "Oh, I want to learn how to riff." <laughs> you right. know, it's like instead of just bar leads. And so I think for I think for our band, you know, we'd been we'd been a punk band, and then uh, you know we just naturally started pro- progressing towards wanting to be harder or heavier, and so I think I think had it been like my decision, I think we would have gone just like straight hardcore, but I think the guitarists that we had were more a little more drawn to like a little more of like the like the riffy more metalcore 
type of type of stuff. And so I'd say we went we went metalcore before we went into like melodic hardcore. So yeah, melodic yeah. hardcore probably one of my favorite favorite genres overall. Um, just because I kind of have my cake and eat it too with melodic hardcore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you've got punk, you've got you've got straight hardcore, you know, stuff like Bane, you know, you've got that. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, you also melodic hardcore does have a little bit of that metal core um mm-hmm. modernization to it, I guess, is the only way to really put it is, you know, because you still have the screams, you still have the breakdowns, you still have that stuff, but you get all the building blocks of that stuff. Um because yeah. I, I mean I cut my teeth on stuff like Shy Halud and um Hope's Fall and and Life in Your Way and bands like that that were just very, very um very melodic but also very passionate. And I think there's always been a line kind of drawn that, you know, a melodic hardcore band isn't just a wimpy hardcore band, it's just a more passionate hardcore band. Mm, like that. Yeah. And Shy Shy Halud for me, I remember like like I, I didn't even really, especially when we started getting into more like, you know, I think getting out of like the metalcore kind of stuff and getting back toward like towards melodic hardcore. It's weird because like I think Shy Halud is. A, I never understood what Shy Halud was. Like I never. I was just like, what? I don't get it. Like they're punk. They're, I was like, I feel punk rock when I hear them, but they're they're playing like sick metal riffs and the you know what I mean. It's just like I I never. And then once I kind of, I remember uh, I had shown our guitarist who writes, who uh, now primarily writes for our band. And I remember I had shown, shown him uh, Shai Lude and he kind of, it was a, it was, it was one of the older recordings and I don't think he dug it. And then like a year or two later, he like, he, fi- I think he finally like gave it like a better, like a more of a true listen. And he was just like, dude, this, this, like, this is, this is like the perfect band. You know, we should, we should try to beat this, but with like singing. And so you know, a band like Shia Lude was was a uh, like I I would just be a Shia Lude cover band. You know, if we could just do that, that'd be rad. <laughs> just do it. Just go in and record all your favorite songs. I know nothing's stopping you other than you know copyright and having to ask permission and you know all that good stuff. And timing, dude. I have the worst. I have the worst time. I could never sing for Shia Lude ever because <laughs> they, they have like such interesting timing. You know, and their and their, yeah. their song structure is always interesting and. Dude, I I can never I can never do it, man. But um, you did. Dude. But you did, right? Um, we told that story off mic, but I'm gonna make you tell it again. How you oh, actually yeah, got yeah. to sing on a Shy Halut song? I did, man. I got I two lines, two glorious lines. I got to sing. Uh, uh, Matt uh, Matt and our guitarist Daniel. They're like they become they become buddies. They're both uh, guitarists, obviously. And they both um, a lot of a lot of Daniel's style was adopted from from how Matt plays now and. And so uh, I don't even know how it came up, but I think Matt had mentioned something to Daniel, like, "Hey, do you think do you think Mike would would be down to like do guest part?" Daniel was like, "Yes, absolutely, like yes, he will." <laughs> like, you don't even have to ask him; like, he'll do it. And then, of course, when they asked me, I was like, "I was like, yeah, what do you want? Where? What, like, when? What do you want me to do? I'll I'll go right now. Like, tell me." And uh, yeah, it was it was for uh, I, I, can't, I don't know if you found it. Is, is it cold? It's colder than cold world, right? Colder than cold world. Yeah, um, I'm still. I kind of jumped off of my computer because the notifications are driving me crazy. But um, yeah, I'm gonna pull it up here real quick. Yeah. If, if 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 we're if if we did a good job, then Joe will probably start playing the song in the background while we're talking about it. Cool. <laughs> it'll it'll probably it'll probably have to it'll probably have to like put it on a loop. <laughs> it's a short song, and yeah. my part is even shorter. 
but oh my gosh it was so it was funny i so i'm not even exaggerating i literally do two lines and i did them a couple times just because you know i'm like if i'm gonna get two lines like i gotta like they gotta they gotta be good man <laughs> you know like it's i don't know so it was it was a uh, it was exciting dave did you know did you know that i did that yeah, man. I think uh, I don't think you told me though, but I think I was listening to it, and I was like, really quick. I was like, oh man, it's like, whose voice is that? Kind of sounds like Mike. And then just kept on moving on. And then I think I heard a couple because I think Andrew from uh, Comeback Kid is on that album too. I think he does um, a guest spot too. I was like, oh man, it kind of sounds like Andrew Newfeld. And then I looked at the credits, and it was like Mike Perez. I was like, yo, I think <laughs> I went back to work, and I told you, I was like, you didn't tell me you're on a Shia Lou record. Dude. Yeah, it was uh, it was on um, just can't hate enough. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which is kind of cool. That so that was that was the one that they put out after uh, Reach Beyond the Sun, mm-hmm. um, and then you know whatever is going to happen uh, with Shy Halud in the future. Which you know I really tried really hard in my interview to dig for, but uh, he gave me nothing on that. <laughs> um, lots of talking about Muppets, but uh, not so much uh, not so much that stuff. Uh, but you know I think I think one of the most interesting things about talking to musicians overall is you know there there's this weird difference between those of us that enjoy music like i'm an official music appreciator or whatever you want to call it um what what was it for you that made you go from being somebody that was into music to actually wanting to make your own music and that being like a being like a reality uh i think so i think the first time that i'd seen so there there was a band called falling sickness and they're from Riverside, where I'm from. Uh, the singer, it, I mean, in a weird way, we're kind of related. Like, our grandmas were cousins or something weird. So we have a weird tie. So anyway, so like, it was like the first time that I, and I, you know, I'd seen him growing up. I knew who he was. He was, he was older than I was. But um, but it, like to see somebody that I knew doing music was, it was like, it made it obtainable, you know? And I'd always... It was like it almost just seemed like an impossible dream. Like, oh, it'd be cool to create music. I don't play an instrument. I don't know anyone else that plays this kind of music, you know. And so to see to see him, and or just to see that band live, it was like it was it for me. Like I was like that. I want I want that. I want to be able to to move people like that. I want to be able to. I want to do that. And so I just like almost instantly like kind of wanted to just I got like write music and and then I, that was it. Well, there's got to be more. There's got to be more of a story to it than that. So we've. Uh, <laughs> uh, so you went from you know. You, so you see somebody that you know. You see them play and and all of that. Um, what you know? What did you end up doing as far as um, you know? You're like, okay, I want that. So like, what's step one? You find dudes that want to play, or I'm, yeah, gonna, I'm so, gonna make you go real deep. Cool, cool. <laughs> um, all right. So so step one was literally. So I had my I had my best friend, and I just knew he'd be down. So I, my buddy Ryan. And I was like, hey, we're, like, we're starting a band. Like, you don't have a choice. Like, we're going to start a band. He's like, all right, cool. I come down. And then my other, my other best, best friend was my, who was our drummer. Uh, he, his name was Jose. And he, like, he had done, like, you know, like drum, drum line and school band and stuff. And, and, uh, and so I was like, okay, so he's our drummer because he, he already can do shit with his hands, you know. He knows and music. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so we got, for like my eighth grade graduation, I think for I think for both of ours, for me and my buddy Ryan, we both got like he got a bass, I got a guitar, and then um, I think, dude, I actually ended up for my birthday actually with my own money. I just bought a drum set, like a super basic one, and then 
I just like I just like, I like kept it at my house, even though I was just like, this is this is Jose's. I don't care if he ever pays me back. Like this is his drum set because like I want to just I want to play. Like I don't care. And uh, um, and so that's kind of like how we. So like I would say by the time we were like freshmen in high school, we already kind of had more or less we had gear, and then we were kind of like, all right, cool, let's try to like learn our instruments, and then and then let's try, let's try to write, you know. And, uh, and, and we, so, so for me, my original plan was, um, to have one of our, my other friends sing for us. Cause I wanted to be, I wanted us to, like, even back then I was like, we're going to be, we're going to be a punk band, but I want us to have like cool harmonies. Like I want us to be like, uh, like, I don't know. It's a good example. Like homegrown, like maybe not, not quite like have a, like be like, have a, like, I, I never wanted to be like a lead singer, but I wanted to have like, you know, vocal parts, but I wanted to do harmonies. And so. And so that was like the plan, but my our buddy Joey just never came, he never came to practice. Yeah, it's so uh, we're just typical you know, three, singer stuff. Yeah, you know, so the three of us are just like hanging out. So I was just kind of like, dude, whatever, I'll do it. I'll sing. I'll sing until we find someone, kind of thing. And then I just, you know, uh, and then it, and then it just like I I also started to find too that like when I was starting to because even if Joey his name was Joey who was going to be our singer or original, like even if he was going to be in the band, I was still going to write the music. And so it was just like one of those things where I realized like, oh, if I write it, I can remember it. And then I can just, you know, not that there were hard songs, but I can I can do it. And so it became like writing, especially writing for punk rock, man. It was like it was it was easy. It was fun. And uh, and so we just like we were just the typical Southern California, like garage band, like for years, like and uh Actually, yeah, for like a long time. And so um, we just did the whole, we did the whole, uh, you know, we practiced all the time. Like our music was never, and I'm not trying to be like humble or anything. Like our music was never good, but we were always pretty solid as far as like we got pretty tight just because we literally just practiced all the time. Like we just loved practicing. And then, uh, you know, we started trying to play shows and eventually we started to like really, um, like it's 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 weird to me that that bands don't don't like work like it's weird like I, you know there was a time when like you know bands go out and flyer but like we were doing that shit like religiously like we were constantly like flyering like we would you know we <laughs> we learned we learned uh how to like work the machines at um at uh like not office max but one of those or staples did you guys have staples well uh, we had um kinkos like kinkos yeah kinkos okay yeah. well <clears throat> Same thing. Like we, we were just dumb high school kids, and we would go in there and we learned how to use the machine. And what we didn't understand was like I think like you use it. I still don't know. You you use it, and then I guess you pay at the front or something. Oh no. Well, well dude, we for like for years, my whole my whole high school life, we'd go in there, we'd print like a thousand or whatever flyers, you know, and then we'd be like, look, we're like, dude, I guess we, I guess it's free. Like that's how dumb we were. Nobody dude. said we, anything. Nobody said anything dude like and i went i we went like so often man and so and then i think i think by the time we were like juniors or maybe seniors in high school my basis was like you know like you know that we probably like we have to pay for these right i was like are you serious he's like i'm i think so he's like, Dude, oh, no. he's like this costs money <laughs> and so we yeah and so once i realized and to be to be fair like once i truly realized what was what we were doing then i then we stopped right you know? sure and then yeah, it's <laughs> we, we did we did that for years. So I guess maybe that's why a lot of bands don't flyer. As I'm saying that now, <laughs> they weren't stealing like we were. Maybe. But, uh, yeah, man. So what what year was that? Uh, 
So I guess we, so we officially, I guess like our, I would say our first show was in 99, like our first, you know, <clears throat> got on flyer, you know, uh, was 99. And so I'd say like, um, by, by like 2000, by like 2002, we were starting to like, we were starting to like, uh, you know, play on cool, like local shows. Uh, every now and then we'd kind of get like, we'd, you know, like on, on like a Tuesday night, we could probably headline our own little, little show. Uh, and, um. Like, I don't, for anyone who's not familiar with the Showcase Theater, it was, like, the venue out here for, like, the longest time. And they were super awesome to us. Uh, and they were very, like, the the promoter um, was this guy named Joe. And, like, I, I, like, it's so awesome, the stuff that he told. He was so real with us. Like, he was, like, we learned a lot of, like, valuable lessons just by him just being, like, honest with us, you know? And, like, he, like, the whole, like, because every, every band hates paying like you know pay to play right like sell tickets oh my god like, yeah buy a hundred tick buy buy 50 tickets from us for a hundred dollars and then if you sell up to a hundred dollars you get to keep the rest and like nobody's ever heard of your band so it's nearly impossible to do right. yeah yeah, yeah. There. but yeah. but so but joe was joe was like he he he, he was like real he was like real about it he's like he's like okay he's like you're selling tickets because like you know no one's gonna come to your show right you guys are a local band no one knows he's like but you you sell enough tickets, it tells us that you'll bring heads, and so if you're bringing heads, we can put you on with like national touring acts that come through, right? And he's like, and also, you know, uh, I forget with how much. Like, we'll just say like tickets are like eight bucks. He's he's like he's like sell them. He's like you can sell them. You can sell them for six bucks and keep two dollars for yourself. You know, and so we were like, for us right away, like, and my I give I give credit to our bassist because he was a lot smarter than me. Um, we we kind of just like we kind of all kind of agreed like we'd rather have more people come to our show right than have than make money off this and we we're like yeah we're like all right cool and so he he came up with a, a way to be like you know hey to our, to our friends you know hey if you sell if you sell uh you know I forget how it works the math for it sell five tickets for eight bucks you get you just paid for your ticket and so we would just offer that deal <laughs> to like to friends you know or just different people and it just kind of became a thing. And so we kind of, I think that's how like we kind of grew our local following because it was like we basically pyramid schemed our. <laughs> hey, you gotta do what you gotta do, man. But. Yeah, you know? and and so, and so that's kind of how we kind of you know how things grew that way. And then, uh, two thousand and uh, so two thousand two thousand five is when like our band should have changed. Like we should have changed our name because that's when we lost you know basically our original bassist. Um, who I think would who he was kind of like our last like true link to like writing punk rock music, I feel. And so when he left, um, uh, and then our our drummer had already left, uh, is when the new our new core, which is myself, uh, Christian Lee, and then Martin Alcedo, who's our drummer, so guitarist and drummer. That that was kind of like our new core moving forward because they they're they're still in the they're still in the band. And uh, you know I think we should have changed like our name because. When those guys joined the band, then it was like a more of accelerated, like, okay, let's let's try to be let's be heavier, you know, let's kind of move away from like straight punk. And and so, so did yeah, that so have that anything kind of, to do with the bands that you were playing shows with at the time too? Did, was it like, you know, kind of like did you find yourself on more heavy shows than punk rock shows? Is that kind of where that came from, or was it just a personal preference? Yeah, you know, I think that's I hadn't thought of it that way, but I think I think so. Yeah, a lot of the bands are starting to play with, you know, started getting heavier, like, um, you know, especially for out here, like, you know, I love Thrice, 
I love I love Thrice. They killed our punk rock scene out here because oh no, they they were they were that they were they were, they were that band that was just punk rock enough for like all the punk rock kids to like get in, get into, and then all of a sudden all those kids are like, I want to start riffing and I want to learn how to play solos and you know what I mean. So it's just like I feel like everyone gradually like like Thrice was that perfect stepping stone for for heavier music, you know, and then um, you know Suicide Silence is from Riverside. And so, and impending doom and, you know, all these heavier bands. So it was like, there was a lot of, a lot of those kind of bands out here. So that's, I had never thought of it that way, but I think playing with majority heavier bands really did push that change to be heavier ourselves. So that's cool, dude. I, actually, that's a great question. I, I had never thought of it that way. And I, as I'm thinking about it, I, that's kind of, I would say that was a big, a big push was the the bands that we were starting to play with. Well, that's always what that's always, you know, a curiosity of mine is, you know, when bands kind of change their sound, is it peer pressure or, you know, is it is it personal preference? And I get such a wide variety of answers from people. Some people are like, "I knew what every record was going to sound like before I even played a note." Or, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like so uh that it's always it's always refreshing to hear that. I feel like, you know, yeah, everybody else was kind of playing that is kind of the more honest answer. You know, yeah. um, and we we got to open for uh, Haste the Day twice. It was like a random, a random little thing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, Dave, David has no idea who that band is. Oh man, and so it's like it's it's funny. I, I forget about that because it's like it was so long ago. It was at the showcase, but um, you know, even even playing with bands like that and like seeing like the crowds they brought and you know, I think, man, like I really do think it was like the shows that we were starting to play were you know, geared towards, you know, more metalcore and hardcore. So, yeah, I guess. So how like long into it did you, because uh, you were playing guitar this whole time. So how long into it did you ditch the guitar and just go straight front, man? I ditched the guitar in 2000 in, I would say 2003, 2004. Um, we, we had, so we were three piece for the longest time. And then, uh, and then we, we'd added, we added a guitarist. And then, um, and then when I started, like, it was, it was, I, I kind of, there was things that I wanted to, like, I love the band Strung Out and I can't, I can't play like that. And there was just things that I was like, man, it'd be cool if we were like, if we sounded like Strung Out, like if we could do that, that kind of stuff. And so when we finally, when we finally got it, found another guitarist who could do, you know, more or less that I was, I was very willing to give up, uh, playing, you know? And then, um, and then once I like, I was still writing majority, like for the like music, like, you know, obviously play guitar and whatnot. And then uh, we got we got went through some changes and we had um, so like 2000 so then now like 2005 when the new core was starting uh, we had added our buddy Chris and with Chris it was one of those things where like we were like jamming and just watching him like watching how he how he was writing I was like okay like he's a better writer than I am <laughs> so I, then I was okay <laughs> just being like. It, like if you want to write the music man as long as i get to write lyrics i i don't care you know like i think i think that sounds way cooler than what i'm riffing all over here you know so i yeah 2000 2003ish i kind of gave up guitar and then i think by 2005 i'd kind of stepped away as far as writing the actual music and just focused on lyrics and and melodies well in 2005 was a big year for you um as far as that's whenever you guys finally got a full length out there um, because you believe in something beyond them. Um, and you guys put that out yourself, I guess is. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I guess that, yeah. yeah, it says it came out in 06, but I just, I feel like 
oh five feels true i don't know <laughs> yeah well it it, it was because that's i mean there, there's even some songs i would say that are from like i think 2004 even but um that was uh that was when we had just gotten the new core that i was talking about you know yeah yeah Mark. and um and so we had uh like the, i like uh you know i i i love that i love that recording it's a mess as far as styles because we had no idea what we were doing we were like you know still trying to be a still trying to be a punk rock band but also still also trying to be you know whatever else we were becoming and uh but i i i loved it and we uh we we recorded it out here and then uh you know kind of try to shop it nobody wanted it <laughs> so we we did it ourselves <laughs> the same, same story yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. you know so and and uh and we were, we were totally fine with it man we were like well do we like we like this let's let's uh let's put money into it let's invest in it let's and that was the other thing too. Like when we learned, like we could press our own CDs and stuff. You know, it's ex- obviously it's you know costs money, but we we're like, dude, let's just do it ourselves, and then let's just try to try to push these things. It's yeah, some- and you guys had a pretty sizable following at that point, um, locally at least. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, you have if you, it's one of those things where you know, because I remember being kind of in a similar position where it was like, well, we've got all these local fans. <laughs> We can put as much money as we need to into the CD, press the CD ourselves, and then we'll make all the money yeah. <laughs> back. Um, and so, what 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 is it that you guys did to push towards actually getting a label uh, interested? Um, well, I think the I think the only reason we okay, so we we had done so we kind of okay, so you've seen those bands that hustle their CDs outside of Warp Tour. Yep. I'm not going to say we were the first band to do that because we, we weren't, but I would say we were at least one of the first bands to do it the way we did it. And that was, that was, we, uh, we just, we had, we had, we had done an EP, you know, same thing, self-release, nobody wanted it. And so we just, uh, we just started hustling them like crazy outside of the, outside of, uh, Warp Tour. And we got, you know, more and more creative. Like we, we just, we saw how bands would go up to like, you know, people and they have like their earbuds or earbuds, their headphones and be like, Hey, do you want to check out my band? And we just thought like, that's so like, that's not time efficient. And plus people are going to be like, I don't want to put my ears on that, you know? And so we got sure. boom boxes, nice. boom boxes. And we just walk up to a good group and be like, Hey, this is our band. Do you like it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and so it's, it's easier. And also, you know, you give the opportunity, you were just playing it. Somebody can come and be like, Oh, what is that? You know? And, and so we, we did that. We kind of stumbled on to, to um to you know like on a at a at a good show you could sell we'd sell like you know like six CDs right that was like for us like a you know a, a good night it's like six to maybe maybe ten CDs you know hey brother but, sixty dollars to sixty dollars right yeah <laughs> well our first our first day of Warp Tour I think we sold like hundred and fifty CDs <laughs> yeah dinners on like, me guys yeah yeah and like we were kind of like we were kind of just like laughing our asses off because we were like. Like, dude, like that, like that can't be normal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. there's no way that can happen again. So then we kind of, we, uh, we were like, dude, if that's, if this, if this is a thing, like, let's, let's try it out. So I think we drove to uh, the next day, like that was Pomona. Like the next day it was like San Francisco or something. And so we were just kind of like, dude, we, let's just, let's just try it again. You know, if we saw, if we saw like, if we saw 50 CDs, like how insane is that? And so, you know, we go, we go up and I think we sold about, you know, another hundred, maybe hundred close to, close to 150. And so we were just kind of like, okay, we have to like, like, we have to keep doing this, you know? And so, um, 
luckily, luckily for us, like for uh, my at least for me, I'll speak for myself. Um, I was working at Starbucks, and my my manager was so cool, and he was just like, I was, I was like telling him, I was like basically like so nervous to be like, how do I tell him like, hey, can I have the summer off so that I can go follow a tour that I'm not even on and sell a CD? You know what I mean? Like, how do I? And so I should have just told him you were on the tour. He wouldn't have known. I have so I have really funny stories about him. So like he, so he, so uh, I'm like I'm like struggling to get it out. He's just like, how much time do you need off? And I was like, I was like, dude, awesome. I don't know. So like (laughs) at least till like August, you know. And he's just like, oh, he's like, okay, yeah, 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 dude, yeah. He's like, go. He's like, if if I have to fire you, then I'll just hire you when you come back. So I was like, sick, dude. So then you know. And it's funny because like while while I'd be out and you know and he I check in obviously, and uh, you know he'd be like, dude, how you know like how how is it out there? Because like halfway through the tour, you know, we start making friends and you know anyway. So like he's like uh, he's like, how is it? Oh no, it's, it's so cool, dude. Like we sold like 200 CDs today, um, and then like we we met this like we met this like cool band. He's like, that's cool, man. Can you like at least lie to me and just be like, yeah, I like. I like got to sign boobs. Right. I was like, I got super hammered and like, you don't remember where you were at. Someone got arrested. Can you at least like lie to me and give me something like that, please? You're like, I woke up in a bathtub filled with cocaine. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, I don't know where I'm at, man. I'm in jail. (laughs) Those Starbucks managers are awesome people, dude. Right? Dude. So, so they were all a holes. I don't know. so, So, all that to say, um, like, so summer ends and then, we had we had uh we had we had done that we'd follow the tour and we had also realized like like gas is expensive and like warp tour goes state to state dude it wasn't back then and anyway it's not now actually but go ahead but but i mean like we're selling like a five dollar cd you know and so and a lot of times someone was even giving it away basically you know and so um so we 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 started to sell waters which is super illegal but we like bought like a big ass cooler. We'd go to Costco, load up on ice and water. And so we would just basically be like, you know, Hey, like if, if you, if you buy one of our, you know, buy water for a dollar and we'll give you our album, you know what I mean? Like who cares kind of thing. And so, and so just cause we wanted our, we wanted to get our music out, you know? And so, uh, and so it became like a, it became like a nice way to make some gas money to kind of travel. Uh, and then what, what would eventually, we didn't know it yet, but it, eventually we were like, creating our own uh touring budget and so um so one night after one of like we uh, christian our guitarist was at a show uh he's watching a band call uh before their eyes and um he's talking to he didn't, he was just talking to one of the guys in the band and uh and he kind of i don't know how it came up he's like oh yeah i'm in a band we'll call him brian whatever and he's like uh i don't know how it came up but it came up with that like he's like yeah you know we we followed warp tour and we just were selling our cds and uh, we were selling about, I would say, like close to about 150 a day. And he's like, "What?" We're like, "Yeah, you know, sometimes we could hit that 200 mark, but just you know, most days about 100. But every now and then we'd have like a good, a good day." And he was just like, "You sold what <laughs> yeah. your own EP? Like, dude, how many dates did you guys go to? You know?" And so he, but so Christian didn't realize he was talking to Nick, the owner of Standby Records at the time. Okay, and so. You know, he kind of he kind of admired the fact that we had like that work ethic, which was kind of an accident. But we had that, you know, work ethic and we had sold <laughs> an EP, you know, all over the country, just basically on our own. And so he was just kind of like super intrigued. And we we uh, 
anyway, we, we signed with standby and it was rad. Cause we were, we signed with Nick. Who's awesome. Uh, eventually, uh, Nick sold, uh, standby to a guy named Neil. Who's not awesome. I won't, I won't go into that. But, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can, but it was, yeah. Just uh, depends on how, how far, how long you think the statute of limitations is. Right. <laughs> and when we're talking like what, 15 years ago at this point. Yeah. It's been a couple of years. That was, yeah. 2000. I'm, not, I'm not digging. If you don't want to say it, you don't have to say it. No, I mean, well, it was just, it was just, uh, it was nice. Cause it was, it was, uh, I will say this. It, it was, it was awful because the following year we did warp tour again. Okay. And and we had told him like, "Hey man, like this is what we do." Wait, you again, did warp tour or you played warp tour or you just no, went no, no, no. to warp tour and sold rec- <laughs> sold did no dragon ride style. We, we okay, no all right. style, which NBR which event, style, got it. Yeah, yeah. And um and so but it was yeah. And so we told him like, "Hey, this is what we're going to do this summer. Like, we're going to make like we're basically we're going to make you money, man. So like just make sure you like send us CDs and we can We'll make you, we'll make you money basically. And so, uh, I don't, he didn't really believe us, I think like with our numbers. And so we would, uh, like we would, we'd basically, we'd basically do what we did and we'd sell out really quickly and we'd, and we'd be like, Hey man, we're running out of CDs. Can you send us like, can you send us like a couple thousand, you know? And he's like, and he's like, yeah, but you gotta. And so he like, he like up the price and we're like, like, wait, what, why are we like, why, why is the price changing? And he, you know, gave us some stupid answer from, oh, well, inflation or something stupid. Cause then looked, yeah. 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 And so, um, and so, and then he's like, actually, I'm going to need you guys. Cause if you guys are making that much money, I'm going to need you guys to start paying like upfront at least half of blah, blah, blah. And we're like, what? Like, dude, like it's never been like this. Yeah. Yeah. It's never, <laughs> never been like this. And so, and so, um, and so we kept, we, we were like. Cause like we're making money, but it's like, dude, this money's going into gas. Like we're eating, we're not part of this tour, man. Remember we're not on this tour. <laughs> like not to not mention we did better last year without you. Right. What the heck? Yeah. Yeah. And so, <laughs> and so like we're, so, you know, it's like, dude, we're, we're asking for CDs to make you money, man. Like what's the issue here? You know? And so, and so, um, and so we got, we kept getting to the point where he was, he would like send us like, he would send us like 200 CDs or something. And we're like, are you serious? This isn't, this isn't, so we had to like, we had to basically, we had to a point where we were having just to sell waters more because we didn't have enough CDs. Which is and illegal. So, which is illegal. Super illegal. There it is. Which, yeah. Warp Tour stuff. Freaking, that's like, anyway. I, I can do a whole segment on Warp Can, can you imagine getting getting arrested for selling waters? <laughs> yeah. what, are you, what are you in for? I sold water at Warp Tour. Oh, <laughs> Oh man, Dude, and I also I also stole a whole bunch of flyers from Kinkos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would not last long in there. But uh do we we we've even like run into like like Atlanta like street water hustlers too that were like <laughs> they're like you seem like you seem like nice boys. Uh I'll let you I'll let you walk away now, you know, or are you going to get oh, we're going to put some holes in you kind of you know kind of thing. We're like, "Oh, <laughs> we don't, we only torture the dudes we don't like." <laughs> yeah. It's like, "All right, well uh <laughs> Yeah, we don't have to sell water today, but um. Wow. Anyway, so like, so then we're we're like we're basically fighting with our label owner to send us CDs, our own CD to sell for him, you know, basically. And so um, we have like, so we're like, he just keeps sending us the least amount possible, and we keep having to sell more water so you know overcompensate for what we're not selling our CD. And so we tell him like, hey, we have a like we have like we have like two weeks left on this tour, uh, and then we have to. And then we have to head back and we're going to, we start a tour with, uh, I am ghost. 
And so, um, and so nothing, nothing, nothing. And then finally we get, he tells us, Hey, I just sent you guys some CDs. So he sends us with a week left of warp tour, like one week, he sends us like 4,000 CDs and we're like, and he's, and, he, and mind you, he wants the money for them. We're like, no, what the, f- what the fuck is this dude? Like what? Can I cuss on this? Dude. Okay. Yeah. We got the explicit tag. Don't worry. Okay, cool. And so, um, we're cool. <laughs> um, and so like, you know, we get it and we're like, are you, are you serious? Like you now, now you want to send us this many CDs. And, and so, and, and he wanted the money, he want the money for him. And we're like, no, nah, dude, fuck you. Like we're going to, we're going to, we'll sell what we can, you know, for these next, this next week. And then, and then we started an actual tour with I'm ghost where we're not going to sell this many CDs. Cause there's not this many people coming to, you know, our tour, you know? So it was just, it was just a big mess. And so we kind of realized like he was just kind of like a dickhead and, uh, you know, any little, any, like, it sounds so, it sounds like so cliche, but it's like every little promise he made to us, he broke. Um, we even, we even met with him in person just to kind of like air our grievances. And it went so well because he told us everything we wanted to hear. And like the minute the door shut, it was just kind of like nothing happened. Right. Like as far as like he went back on everything. And so, um, we basically, so we had to like get, uh, we had to get, well, our, our, uh, our manager was a lawyer. So he, he basically was just like, okay, these are these are our options. We have to like, we basically have to buy ourselves out of every, out of your contract, you know, and which you know we didn't have. I guess I mean we had money now, but it was like this money is supposed to be spent on like, you know, touring, you know, recording merch, you know, t- just typical band things, and now we have to like pull this. It was like a for us, especially at the time, it was a it was a big sum of money for us to buy ourselves out of a contract, right? And yeah. so we're going, we're going through this and, uh, our buddy, our buddy, Jake, Jake round, he's kind of watching us struggle. And for him, he's just like, that's not fair, man. You guys, you guys work so hard. It's not fair. You guys are getting treated like this. Like, um, you know, he, he was, he was, he was just kind of throwing out there. He's like, dude, like, like you guys just go back to doing this yourself. It's like, you know, you guys don't need a label. You guys are doing good, blah, blah. blah. And then eventually he was just kind of like, dude, I, and oh, and we had shown him some of the stuff we were writing too. And he was just like, man, he's like, I, I'm going to, so I can't, I, I don't, I don't know if this is, I don't think it's like a legal thing, but, uh, Jake, Jake basically started pure noise and then was just kind of like, I'm going to, I want to put out your album. Like I'll help you guys out and getting out of your contract. And then I'm going to help you guys. I'm going to, I want to put this out. What you guys, what you guys do? I'm going to do it. That's like, awesome. So he rescued you guys. He rescued us, man. Yeah. And, and, uh, and so, yeah. And so. Yeah, Pure Noise at, at first was just kind of like a name that uh, that Jake and Christian would use to like to book our bands because he was in a band too, and you know nobody, no one gave a shit about either of our bands, and so we had to pretend like we had a a booking agency. <laughs> hey, you know what? So, it, it, all that matters is the appearance. Exactly, exactly. So, and so uh, Pure Noise Entertainment, or is that what it was called? It just became Pure Noise Records because he already had. I think it. I think yeah. Everything I've seen just says Pure Noise Records. Yeah, and so it it changed to that, and then um, and so yeah, so it was just it was just us and Jake, you know, and um, it was uh, and I think around this time too, we we had started working with our manager Jason, who was like basically sixth member of MBR, and uh, and so it was it was a really cool. It was like a really cool team. Like we were so small. I didn't know what we were doing. Um, Jake had been interning. He had interned at fat records. Uh, he had done, he'd worked for magazines. I mean, like Jake is, 
like his success is not an accident. Like this dude works his ass off and like he want like he's he figured he like he wants to learn, right? So he he figured out the ins and outs of more or less how to run a label and was just like, Yeah, I'll do it. I'll put it out and uh we'll just kind of figure the shit out as we go. I mean it's inspiring considering how far you guys got. You know what I mean? Like <clears throat> honestly, like cause that that's something that I kinda wanna I kind of want to jump forward a little bit in, in that, like, you know, you guys, <laughs> you guys did some tours, like, like some legit tours with bands like Terror, Comeback Kid, like, you know, like we, we, we kind of started at the beginning on this conversation about, you know, um, you know, I decided to start a band. I called my friends. They were in. We we stole flyers from Kinkos. Yeah, I'm gonna keep bringing it up. <laughs> even it probably wasn't even Kinkos, but it's fine. Um, yeah. You know, like like we we sold water. It was illegal. We did it anyway. Um, our, our band began as a crime syndicate. You know, it's awesome. <laughs> All of it is awesome. Well, we even hit on uh, on Radius Claws. We haven't talked about Radius Claws yet. Oh well, let's uh, let's jump into that before I before I jump into my big question about like if we're talking about uh, more ways of MBR getting around the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah let's so, do it. Oh my god, yeah, let's let's get all the crime out here in the opening. Like, please, yeah, please talk to this, uh, please talk to this officer when we're done talking. Yeah, it's awesome. I do. Okay, so so and and just to throw this out there as well, we eventually graduated to making our own tour passes on Warp Tour and got caught. One of our guys, our buddy who wasn't even in the band, got caught. Oh my god! And we just we we just thought like we just thought like you know what let's uh let's just turn ourselves in, you know what do we what do we have to hide? We're we're out here. We're not sneaking anyone in. We're just here to sell our CDs. That's it. You, you know? got and, us. And so and so we did that, and uh, the war tour staff was just blown away that we would turn ourselves in. <laughs> and also, also the fact that our, our tour passes that we had made ourselves looked legit, you know, <laughs> our, our basis at the time, it would later become a graphic designer. And so, uh, and so we turned ourselves in and, uh, the, the head security just could not believe it. He was just like, I, I don't know what to tell you. I, I, you know, obviously this is, this is very bad. The balls <laughs> on these bad. guys. Yeah. Yeah. But, he, but he's like, he's like, you know, I, he's like, dude, he's like, I, I get it. He's like, I believe you guys, you know, cause we, we, we gave him all the passes. Like, you know, there's six of us here that were five, we're our five in our band. And then our buddy who got caught, you know, he's helping us. And so this is, but this is everything, you know? And so, and so he was just like, he was basically like, um, okay, that like, I respect you guys for turning yourselves in. If you guys want jobs, I'll give you guys jobs. You know, <laughs> even and better. So, yeah. And so the, the, the weird thing is that we're, that we're already leaving from that tour. Like it was already almost over. So we're like, we actually have to go do our own little small tour. And so, uh, the word got to Kevin Lyman and like, Kevin is such a punk rock dude, dude. He, so he, so we were on, so the next year, mind you, we got caught the following year. We got put on the warp tour sampler that gets sold. Right. And then we get to play like actual dates on warp tour for the first time. And this is all following us getting caught slash turning ourselves in. That's incredible. <laughs> oh yeah. So that so I, cause I wanted to like end, and especially since we're talking about our our days of crime. Um, <laughs> you guys reform. You guys reformed after that, right? Like, okay, yeah. now from from this day forward, it's all gonna be legit. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um, wait. What, what was the, what were, what were, what was the next? We're talking about radius claws. Radius claws. Oh yeah. So. So for a lot of so if anyone who doesn't who doesn't know, uh, when you when you when you accept a tour, there's usually a radius clause, which means you can't play 
you can't play within a certain distance within a certain time frame just because you don't want to take away from that date that's already on the schedule right so so like if you're playing for example if you're playing in st louis at foobar you can't go play pops the next night right okay got right. it and so we're from southern california so oftentimes we get tours that started you know this tour starts in chicago this tour starts in new york this tour starts you know and so like so to avoid you know because so for us as a, as a we're a small band so like if the tour starts in uh, in New York, like we can't just drive straight because the tour path takes us there. So we have to like zigzag across the country oh doing our own our own one offs, right? And so it takes us like two weeks to get to, <laughs> to New York just to get to the original date. And we're playing, you know, every every C market we can or whatever market just to avoid, you know, the right. raise clause. Right. So we were like, what if we start a band? That just plays covers, and we call ourselves Radius Claws. We're oh not no bragging rights. <laughs> We're what? not no bragging rights. Yeah. That way we can just drive in a straight line to wherever <laughs> we're going and play as Radius Claws, and we just do cover songs. They're all no bragging rights covers. <laughs> and, every, and we, we kind of <laughs> refuse to do, to do no bragging rights songs, but if if you know if, if it was if they were asking nicely, we would we would cover no bragging rights songs since we knew them. And, uh, <laughs> and so I've heard like, those guys are pretty cool. I'm really tight with that band. Uh, yeah, I might check <laughs> yeah. out. We might play a couple of their songs. Yeah. Uh, dude, it was it was so fun because it's like we were just we were mostly just like did '90s songs, and we tried to play them as like straight up as we could. You know, so like people would. People have heard us because we, we, we've covered Living on a Prayer and it's it's Living on a Prayer, but we also have like a two step and a breakdown and I scream the second verse. You know what I mean? So it's like it's our style. But for Raiders Clause, like we, we were like, let's just no, like, let's just play this like as straight up as we can. And because I think people expected us to be like, like, you know, a hardcore version of, you know, just a girl from No Doubt. It's like, nah, dude, we're playing this straight up as much as we can, like No Doubt. And, uh, and I oh, and I'd also say like yeah I'm not gonna say anything positive tonight. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing there's zero zero talk of mental health you know this is we're just here to everybody go home and go everybody go home and do drugs and beat their wives right. <laughs> yeah, everyone go get get depressed for when uh, no bragging rights comes through next week. Yeah, exactly. those guys those guys are gonna be super positive. I hate them. <laughs> yeah, it's like if you, if you came for something uplifting, you come to the wrong place. So that was our our other. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I'm going to I'm going to fast forward uh a couple years. You know, you guys obviously went on to bigger better things, you know, and I always love this humble story of like we printed flyers and we, you know, we did everything that we could. And what I love about that the most is that like, you know, because you guys were actually good. Like I'll say it so you don't have to say it. Um you guys were actually awesome and and you guys had like real passion and and a real um a real mission so to speak and um you know when you guys are on when you guys are on tour with bands like Comeback Kid and Terror like at any point do you, do you look back and think like man I remember having to hustle for all of this and like the the feeling that that has to have the effect that it has to have on you um you know did did you ever did you ever feel like you took it for granted or do you do you feel like, you know, every minute of it was like this is the result of all the hard work that I've done? Uh I can and I can I can I can honestly say like and I, you know, 
I feel like I can speak for the guys in my band. I feel like we never took it for granted, you know. Um, I I remember like our first time, our first time being being in Europe, uh, we got to be in a bus, and like there's just like this moment I think where we like started laughing slash crying. Like I don't care how lame that sounds, but it was just kind of like, yeah, like how did like this is crazy, right? Like it was crazy. Like we're it's weird. Like this we're in a bus right now, guys. You know that kind of thing. And um, I think I think for us it was just kind of. I think we never took it for granted because by, by the time we started to get, you know, get on like, you know, these bigger tours and stuff and, and play with play with bigger bands, I think because by, by this point it was it was purely at least for me, it was purely message based. You know, um, I was I was getting, you know, I was in my late 20s, early 30s, you know, so it, like obviously playing shows is rad, you know, but. But it was it, by by this point, it just became it just became more of the message for me. So like, it was just kind of like like dang, we get to you know instead of instead of sharing our message to like two hundred kids, like we're we're like now like sharing this in front of like you know five thousand, twelve hundred, whatever whatever the tour we were on w- was doing. You know, it was just like we just had a bigger opportunity to to uh, to share our music and and also for those bigger tours, it it was like. It was more like we, the, you know, when you when you tour with with Terror or Every Time I Die, everyone's there to see Terror and Every Time I Die, like straight up. Like yeah, we have we have our we have our little fan base, but for like, sure, dude. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so, and so for us, it it I almost I almost saw it as more of a an opportunity, like a challenge. Like I was just like, dude, we get to play in front of like we got to win, we get to win people over. You know, like this is rad. Like we get to we get to go out there and we're playing for people that aren't here for us, you know? And so I don't think, I don't think we ever have, a, I don't think we had an opportunity to, to like take it for granted or to like, to like sit back. You know, I think for us, it was always kind of like, dude, we have, we have some, we have some work to do, you know, like this, this isn't our crowd, you know? So, so yeah, I don't think, I don't think we ever got, I don't think we, yeah, I don't think we've, <laughs> I don't think we've ever had an opportunity to get, to get kind of like any kind of complacency or to, or to really like, um, I don't know what the word is. Like I, I definitely, we definitely like had, had time to like appreciate like the the specialness of what it was. Like, you know, I think I always, I when I, I've, have you guys heard the term imposter syndrome? Yeah. So like I'd never heard that before, and when I heard it, I was just like, dang, that's like that's like how I felt the entire time I was like touring, <laughs> you know, like especially once we got with bigger bands, you know, I never felt like. I always felt like, dude, there's better, like, and I'm, again, I'm not, I'm not trying to be humble. Like there are, there are better bands than us, you know, like, you know, uh, just to go back, like the fact that Shai Halud isn't playing the same crowds as like a band like the ghost inside is not fair. It's a travesty. Absolutely. It's not, it's not fair. Right. But I mean, the and ghost so, inside is pretty legit. Yeah. I mean, but I mean like, yeah. you know, like, yeah, I guess that's probably not the best. <laughs> that's probably dude, not the no, best no, no, but, but I understand what you're saying. Like, because, yeah. because there, there, there are bands absolutely 100% that make me feel something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying the ghost inside doesn't make me feel something like they're a great band. I love them. Yeah. Uh, I did a whole episode on them. I thought they were great. I said that they were awesome, you know, and they are. Um, but then you take a band like Shy Halud or a band like Hope's Fall or a band like mm-hmm. Strong Arm, you know, like like the, these bands that are so emotionally driven and message driven to where you can't help but stop and take notice. But it almost seems like it almost seems like other bands that are more like casual, I guess, in a sense, um, tend to get the bigger spotlight. And I, and I think the reason for that is 
is more that people it's going to sound negative. I don't mean to, but I'm just going to say it anyway, because I'm four beers in and here we are. Um, but like <laughs> people, people want, people want a band that is, you know, is going to make them feel good, but isn't going to necessarily make them want to change things, you know? And like, I felt, I felt that way. Like the first time I saw like earth crisis play live, you know, mm-hmm. where they're like veganism, 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 veganism. And I'm like, God, you know, like I totally get what these dudes are saying and I totally get where they're coming from. But I got I, I loved smoked ribs, you know, like like, like one <laughs> yeah. of the I love I love hot wings, I, you know, like, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I said hot wings to make myself sound tough, because as we talked about before, I, I can't <laughs> I can't handle spicy foods. Uh, but like, you know, it, it's one of those it's one of those things where like the unfortunate reality is that bands that have a message tend to get ignored, you know? And like, we talk about like a lot of Christian bands and stuff on our, on our, on our podcast. Um, not, not because that's the focus of our podcast, but because, uh, to be perfectly honest, those are a lot of the times the only guys that reply to our messages, you know, (laughs) but like, um, but like those bands have a message and, and like, that's the reason why they don't get this much popularity. Like they might be a great band. Like, like take, take something like haste the day. Uh, I don't expect David to understand that, but, um, take a band, take a band like haste the day. They're fantastic, but people feel like there's baggage associated you know, and, and you look at a band like no bragging rights and you're like, well, there's a little bit of baggage there because of the mental health stuff. And, um, mental health is something that unfortunately, um, doesn't really get its day in the sun, so to speak. Yeah. You know, it's not, and, it's not, it's not cool, and it's not fun. No, no, it's you know? exhausting. Yeah, you know, well, like so, like honesty makes people feel uncomfortable, and a lot of those bands that have that message are completely honest and transparent. Um, and you believe every word they're saying, whether you agree or not. But whether you agree or not, it just makes you uncomfortable when something is that honest. So, Mike, with no bragging rights, like you give the same exact speech before cycles uh, every night on tour. And I've heard it a million times. And every time I hear you go off on that, um, it's like hearing it for the first time. And I'm sure you've said it like a million times and rehearsed it and all that. But it's like hearing it for the first time and just that story and where that song comes from. It makes you feel uncomfortable, even though I completely agree with you and get where you're coming from. But just that honesty is so in your face and transparent that um, uh, people just don't know what to do with it. Mm. That's I, I that's a, that's that's a cool way to put it, that it's, you know, honesty makes people uncomfortable you know and i think that's 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 such a that's such a that's such a true statement for 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 bands like that you know because i like with uh like for sleeping giant you know i'm 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 a christian and when he talked when 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 tommy talks like it shakes things in me and i'm a christian you know and so like me too yeah 100 percent. and so like so like i get that you know and 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 my thing with the whole like mental health thing it's like you know i i like I don't want to. I didn't want to be an advocate for that stuff. Like I don't want. I don't want to. I don't want to be a band that that talks about that every night. That 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 writes eventually would write songs about it. You know what I mean? Like, it's not. It's not fun. <laughs> it's not a fun topic. You know. And it's like, it's. But it's. It's just something that like, um, when it when it all happened for us, like we couldn't stop it. And and so you know, I felt like for us, it was just like became like a not like an obligation, but it just kind of felt like, like for, for myself, it just became something I couldn't really, really ignore anymore, you know? And it just, it just felt like I had this platform and I'm going to use it for this, 
even though I kind of wish I could use it for something else, you know? Like, sure. So, you know, we, we've talked a lot about, about a message, you know, for the band and, you know, obviously anybody that knows no bragging rights knows that the message is, is mental health and, and mental health awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to like be super like invasive and ask you, you know, how you came to that message. And even though I kind of already know, but I, I want the listeners that are hearing it now to, to kind of get an understanding, like, you know, like why, why the band focused so much on mental health and, and why it was so important to you as a, as a vocalist. So, um, okay. So in 2012, we released our album cycles and just before, just before it released. So, okay. So just the album cycles in general was really personal. It's a really personal, just record for us in general. You know, I have a song on there about my dad and his upbringing, uh, surviving abuse and, and, uh, all that stuff. And then, uh, and then I'd kind of started to, I'd started to have conversations about mental health. Like people were starting to, you know, I, it was, it was more of just kind of, I was basically struggling with people. You know what I mean? We kind of talk and it, it would kind of come up, you know, people are, are, you know, life is rough, you know? And I had a friend named Will and the whole reason I think, uh, this is, this all became a thing was because my buddy Will was the first guy, like he wanted to make it in music so bad. And not that we, and we didn't, and we hadn't, we hadn't like in 2012, like we hadn't made it. Like we were still struggling super hard. Like we we're still a small band. We we're, we we're getting better tours, but like, you know, we were, we we're still grinding. And, uh, my buddy Will, he was the first person to ever call me a mentor. And I used to like give him shit for it. I was just like, like, dude, I'm not a mentor, man. Like I'm figuring <laughs> this shit out as, as I'm going, you know, I will share my two cents, you know, you're my boy. I'll, I'm always happy to help, you know, but, uh, he was so, he was so, uh, you know, he, he just, he, he, everything, he wanted to know what our practices looked like, how long they were, you know, did I sing during the practice? You know, if we did song multiple times, was I singing every time? Like, that's how detailed he wanted, he he was, you know, like he wanted this so bad and he just had the worst, he just had like the worst luck. But he had such an awesome attitude. So when I found out that he had taken his life, it's like it 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 shook everything, man. And like uh, it was, um, you know, and I it's you know, and I it's you know, I, I've had time to to you know work through feelings and stuff. But when it happened, it felt like it was on my watch, you know. And so so uh, you know, our album is about to come out. We're starting to play shows, and you know, we're you know, we're talking about some of the, you know, I'm kind of talking a little bit about the songs. I'm kind of, you know, up to this point, like a lot of what I would say on stage is more of just kind of like, you know, if you're passionate about something, pursue it. That was kind of like where we were at. But when that happened, like, I, you know, I would even say it, it took me a while, but I would just basically start, I just vented on stage one night. And I just, I think, I think the first time I even said anything, I was just kind of like, you know, uh, my buddy just, selfishly took his life you know because I, I didn't know how to deal with it you know and so i was like one night i was angry one night i was like sad when i was like crying and then i was just i was just venting every night i just and, and there were some nights where i wouldn't even say anything wouldn't even bring him up at all and what i what i w- didn't realize what was happening was every night i would i would go up and i would say something about it because it, it just i couldn't shake it man like i've had family members die i've had friends pass uh from accidents and stuff but to have somebody leave like that 
I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know how to process it because it was something that was new to me and it just wouldn't, it just wouldn't, I couldn't shake it. And so I would, I would be, you know, I'd share, I'd, I'd share just, I was just straight venting. And then after, after our sets, you know, I'd, I'd get, you know, one, one person or maybe two people coming, coming up and be like, Hey man, uh, I'm really sorry about your loss. Uh, that happened to me. I had a friend who did that too, man. I'm really sorry for your loss, you know? And it, and it was kind of like, the, it was just kind of that. So you know, I was kind of like, oh, I, you know, I appreciated it. You know, some nights, um, it was, you know, it, and then I think when it started to kind of change, turn a corner was I started having people coming up to me and just saying like, Hey man, uh, what you said tonight really, really hit me about your friend. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, uh, I'm suicidal. And so for me, it was just kind of like, I, I didn't know what to do and I, but I wanted to do something. So like, I would just try to like, you know, I just, I would just tell him, Hey man, like, here's my number. Like, I wish, I wish my buddy would have called me, you know, in a weird way. I feel like maybe he thought like his problem was like too big for, too big for me. Uh, and, and, and I don't want, like, I don't want you to feel that. So like, call me, like, I know you don't know me, but call me. Uh, and so it was just, it just kind of, you know, it, 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 it took a while for it to become what you would hear if you like search our, our, our videos and what later, later became more of an actual, you know, call for, you know, uh, you know, for, for, for seeking help if you need it, you know, but it took, it took me a while to get there and it just, it kind of just happened from, you know, from one, one person a night to, to five people to, you know, 10 to 20, whatever it was after the shows, you know, people would start coming up, coming up to me. And then it, after a while it just became, uh, I, I was starting to, I was starting to get better at what I wanted to say. And, and, uh, and it became more of, kind of what it is, what it, be, what it became, it, it, it happened over time. And so, um, I just, and I, and at first I didn't, I didn't want it. I, I remember I, I, some people, when they would start to share some pretty like deep, because it, because it, at first it was just, it was just uh suicide related things, right? It was just, uh, you know, Hey, I'm going through this or this happened to my friend, whatever. And then it started, started to become, you know, uh, somebody telling me like, Hey, I'm suicidal because my uncle raped me. And I'm like, like, I don't, I don't know. How, I don't know how, what, what to do with that. It's so heavy. Yeah. Yeah. And so I remember, uh, my brother's a pastor. And so he, you know, he obviously has to deal with, you know, a lot of heavy things too. Like he has to speak at funerals and whatnot. And so I remember, I remember I told him and I was like, dude, they're telling me stuff. I'm not qualified to hear, man. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, I think, I think maybe I should like, even like maybe stop, showing up after after our set you know i'm not a mental health professional yeah yeah it's hard you know yeah and so um and he's like dude no 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 no. he's like no no no. he's like dude if somebody's willing to talk to you man he's like you don't have to say anything listen dude if they're gonna talk to you all you have to do is listen he's like and you've you know and i've, I've always felt like i was a pretty good listener and so it was i like it was really encouraging to hear that and it kind of took a lot of pressure off me because i just felt like no matter what anyone dumped on me, I could, I could take it and, and I could just like, I could be there with them, literally just be there with them. And then just tell them like, dude, like I hear you and I'm, I'm sorry that happened, you know? Um, you know, over time it became, uh, you know, you hear, you hear, uh, you know, and, and any little advice. So then do I, so I became, um, I became like a, a healthy obsession. I, I would go on, I'd go on YouTube and I'd try to look up lectures on, 
on mental health. I try to watch, you know, anything from like like TED Talks to interviews to anything I could find about mental illness because I wanted to understand, you know, uh, and I wanted to I wanted to be able to give something or at least get to a point where I could at least be like, this sounds like you should probably like talk to like somebody who talk, you know, you need like I was even pe- having people come come and tell me about like their their failing in marriage, you know, and I'm like, I okay, uh, maybe, you know, marriage counseling sounds like a thing you should do. You know, I don't know. So it's like, <laughs> right, yeah, you know, and so. Uh, it, yeah, it just, it, uh, you know, I kind of, I kind of was hearing it a lot. And, and then, you know, the thing that really for not force, but like what maybe like the, the message, which is why, like I would, you know, if we show up like tomorrow and play a show, why I still have to speak about it is the more I would do it, you know, and mind you, we're playing, especially at this point, 2012, 12, 2013, we were, we were starting to play, you know, Mostly hardcore tours, you know? Sure, yeah. So we're going out with, like, you know, Lionheart. We're going out with, you know, uh, we did Tour with Expire. We did, like, you know, all kinds of different tours. And so um, every night, dude, I was I was, I was, was getting these, you know, the hardcore scene, it's a, there's, there's some tough dudes in there, you know? There's some, there are some, like, it takes, it sadly takes a, a special kind of person to, to one, listen to that music, and two, express yourself at a show the way guys in hardcore shows express themselves. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we're going through it's we're all going through something, and so it was just kind of it was kind of alarming when I started hearing what a lot of guys in the scene were were feeling and experiencing, and the thing I was kind of getting from a lot of the conversations I was having was I was the first person they would they have ever uttered these things to right like feeling depressed suicidal uh <clears throat> dude like I, dude, i've had i mean i'm not gonna say it, i've had i've had guys come out to me in a hardcore scene you know i've had guys that had kids come out to me in the hardcore scene and it's like that's just an idea if it's hard if like that's how that's how tough this scene can be you know what i mean and it, and it's not even just hardcore like yeah it's it's got to be it's got to be super similar to like uh, like the punk rock scene, dude. Like that's such a nihilistic scene. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? Like, yeah. There's, and, and I haven't even been in that world. Uh, you know, my the world I was in was predominantly hardcore, mostly. You know, a couple metalcore bands here and there. And but I imagine it's got to be just as bad with people dealing with stuff in the punk rock scene. And if you go into like the super heavy metal scene, you know. And so I guess so. So my my talk every night started to become more geared towards, you know, my the fear the fear of the of heavy music just being that you know there's a lot of tough guys that are that are dying in silence because they're too afraid to to one get help or two to like speak up about how they're feeling you know so that became that became what i wanted to 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 talk about and to kind of encourage um encourage at our shows you know and so um so the whole mental health thing just it uh like i was saying earlier you know i didn't i didn't want to talk about it i didn't want i didn't I didn't want that to be what our band was, you know, um, you know, music's fun, you know, music's fun for me. Like I, you know, some of my favorite bands, you know, have not silly lyrics, but you know, it's fun. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I just felt like it was just too much. It was too real and it was too much to ignore. Um, and so, you know, I, I, it, it became, it came to a point where, you know, Playing shows is awesome. It's fun. Like that's like the best thing ever, right? You get to play shows. Absolutely. But you know, 
every night you get your 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 body doesn't quite recover recover the way it used to. And so like for me, I was always I was I was ready to like not tour that much. <laughs> like I was I would have been fine taking bigger breaks, which we never did, but I was I would have been fine with that. But the thing that I was like kind of obsessed with just was just I I felt like I just we needed to talk about this because I just felt I just I it wasn't even that I felt I knew every night that when we played a show in that building, somebody in there is struggling. And it was it it was you know, it, it and that and that's and that was like a sad reality. It's like and it wasn't just one person. Sometimes maybe just one person would come and share. But I was like, for sure, there are more people in here who are going through something very serious and, you know, aren't getting the right help or aren't seeking the right help or aren't, you know. So, yeah, that was that was kind of the uh, that was kind of what started. It was my buddy, my buddy, Will. And then just kind of being able to, you know, and once I kind of stopped feeling like, you know, and that's the thing, dude, like suicide, like I, I, I took it so personally, you know, and I, and I, and I, I, I like made it about me, you know, like how, sure. how dare he, how dare he make me feel this way? You know, it's like, yeah. And once I was able to like, finally like step back, see, see that it was, it's a, it's an illness, see that, you know, it's, it's, it's much bigger than how I feel about it. And, and, uh, and that it was super prevalent in the scene then uh, it just became it gave it gave our it gave our our just ex- existence as a band it, it was just something it was more than just you know you know playing a cool show and 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 having people like the way i sang sure I mean? yeah completely completely changed well and if i can if i can jump into it a little bit you know as far as um you know, this is another thing where people are going to send me emails and be like, "You talk too much during that interview about you. It's not a, <laughs> it's not about you." Uh, but I, you know, I, I've definitely been through a lot of that. You know, on a personal level, as far as as well as having to kind of, kind of, kind of get through situations like that where I'm asked to like speak my mind on it, and it's hard because. Like I went through it personally, so um, and I've shared this story before, but I'll I'll share it here again, uh, if anybody cares. Uh, but uh, yeah. basically, like, so I've made references to it all throughout this interview. I've I've made references to it in other podcasts, and you know, um, me me and my co-host Joe, we were in a band uh, in two thousand and. Five two thousand six. It was a melodic hardcore band. Um, no, no big secret there. Uh, but we, you know, I, I sang and and Joe played drums and and we had a, a relatively good time. We didn't have like a amazing career. We we signed to a label that nobody had ever heard of, and we put a record out that nobody had ever heard, and you know all that good stuff. Um, and it was fine. You know, like I'm I'm happy with it. I'm comfortable with it. Um, and then you know our band broke up around two thousand seven and. Before that, I had been doing a, a music magazine, you know, about bands that I liked, like brutal bands. And I, I had always been kind of a creative mind as far as like, I'm really passionate about this music that I like, and I want everybody else to be passionate about it as well. That's why, I mean, that's why we do this podcast, you know, like 100%. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I went through a period of time where, you know, the band had been broke up uh, for several years, uh, you know, and, um, we hadn't really done anything. I wasn't doing anything creative. You know, I got, I got married. I, I had a, a child and, um, now I've had multiple, I have four kids now. Um, mm-hmm. um, 
you know, yes, we, we do have a TV. We, we know that there's other things you can do to entertain yourself, <laughs> but whatever. Um, <laughs> I love my four kids. Um, but we, you know, we have four children and, and all that, but like back in this time, this is probably 2015 or so I was working for a cable company, uh, as a cable guy, you know, installing cable for people. And if you can only imagine what that's like, and, and I had gone probably an entire month, I think it was like 36 days, no days off. Um, just working constantly. And, um, I started to kind of lose my grasp on everything, you know, like I, I, I was like, had started off this creative mind, you know, like I want to create things. I want to do positive things. I want to, you know, make a change in the world, blah, 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 blah. But it was one of those, like, I've been in a band. It didn't go anywhere. It didn't work out. The dream wasn't there for me. You know, I didn't make it so to speak. And, um, and that always weighed very heavily on my mind, you know? And, um, hmm. I basically, you know, took a job, you know, doing, cable and salts. And if you can imagine what that's like, like people complaining all the time because grandma can't get HBO, like, <laughs> and you know, and I, and I reached a point, I was reached a point where I was like, I couldn't care less whether grandma gets to watch HBO tonight or not. Right. Like it's not a necessity. It doesn't matter. Mm. And so my, my self-esteem took a huge hit. I was like, I used to be somebody, you know, I'm nobody, you know, like mm. that sort of thing. And I was very like, I just kind of lost all sense of, of where I was and, and what I was doing and, you know, all that. And I started having these weird, <clears throat> excuse me, I started having these weird thoughts like, you know, I'm up here by this power line. If I grab this power line, I would die instantly, you know, no pain. And my family would get X amount of dollars and my reputation wouldn't take a hit. Like my reputation as a Christian, my reputation as a person wouldn't take a hit because it was just a work accident. Mm. You know, it was just something that happened, you know, yeah. and I would be the only one that knew that, you know, something that it was more than that, you know. And so I, I kind of like played around with that idea. I kept working and kept working. And um, eventually, though, like some some part of me came alive and was like, dude, this is really jacked up. Like, why are you thinking these things? This, this isn't natural for people to think. So I remember I was at a lady's house and she was like. I want my recordings on my DVR. And I was like, your DVR is dead. It's a brick. It doesn't work. You know? And she was like, well, I want my recordings back. And I was like, well, you can't have them. They're gone. You know? And she was like, she's like, well, I want them back. And she demanded to talk to a manager or whatever. And I was so far gone at that point that I remember calling, I remember calling my supervisor and being like, you know, if, if I don't leave work right now and go talk to somebody about this, I'm going to end up hurting myself or somebody else, you know, like I don't, you know, I don't know how to quantify it or whatever. And what did it, what ended up happening ended up being like one of the worst experiences of my life because, you know, I, I would reached out and I just had wanted to talk to somebody. But what happened was I ended up getting checked into the local hospital, like, like self checked in. And then they put me on observation for like, it wasn't 24 hours. It was like 18 hours or 17 hours or something. And at some point, like my wife and kid came up and visited me and it was like this big emotional thing. And then the doctors were like, you know, um, trying to get my wife to sign these documents that would basically say that like I would forfeit all of my 
personal rights you know what i mean like to 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 leave or to check myself out or anything like that and um it was it was really jacked up like the the way they were trying to get her to do that and she refused to sign anything um thankfully but then i ended up getting transferred to another facility and um i uh I basically I sat there like all night, like scared and like know what was going on and what was going to happen. And keep in mind, the original reason that I reached out to anybody was because I wanted to talk to somebody. Mm. And instead, I didn't get to talk to anybody like there were nurses that would come by and they would try to give me like pills and like antidepressants and stuff. And like I didn't just let you more alone with your thoughts. Correct. And I didn't I didn't take any of it because I was like, you know, I don't. I don't know what effect these drugs are going to have on me and I don't know how it's going to be. And I guess like during that experience, like I kind of just like woke up and was like, what am I doing here? Like what, like what's happened? Like how, how have I gotten to this point? Like where are we at or whatever? And like, luckily I was able, like the next morning I called my wife like several times cause they had a phone that you could call people on, you know, and talk. And, uh, she got me out of there, but like, and it's funny too because like when they tried when she tried to get me out of there they originally told her like well you you signed documents saying that you know he had forfeited his rights and she's like oh really well you know let's see him because i didn't sign him you know and they didn't have anything so they eventually had to let me go mm-hmm. and like that that's the thing where i always take pause whenever i see um People being like, suicide hotline, call the suicide hotline. And it's like, if you call the suicide hotline, pretty much like what happened to me is what's going to happen to whoever you called the suicide hotline on, you know? And so mm-hmm. it was it was a very negative experience for me. And, dude, it was so jacked up. Like, they took me from one facility to another facility, and I went in an ambulance, and then they charged me for the ambulance, <laughs> like, after that. And I was like... I was like, what is going on? Like, this is, this is ridiculous. And like that whole experience of how, um, how people treat you if you're having a mental health dilemma. You know, I, I told this story to, uh, Scott from Zayo, the guitar player. And, um, he, and he was very like, yeah, he's like, look at this. He's like, you don't really even have like a chemical imbalance. Your situation, your depression, your suicidal thoughts all came from a very situational thing but mm-hmm. look at look at how far you got like in, into that situation mm-hmm. um because the 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 spending time in the hospital and dealing with with nurses and things like that like it ended up doing more damage to me than it needed to um then it than if somebody would have just talked to you <clears throat> you're right nobody nobody even would nobody would talk to me and i think i think part of it was it did get me wrong like when people are dealing with stuff like this we're very secretive because, like, it's one of those, like, if you're going to kill yourself, you don't want anybody to stop you. Like, if that's what you decide to do, you know. Um, and I don't think I was there. I think I, – I don't think – I don't think I really wanted to die. You know what I mean? But it was – I was just in a really bad situation. And once I removed myself from that situation, like, it got better. But it was definitely one of those things where, like – I see it all the time. Like, oh, so was, like people people feel like doing their part is – posting something on Facebook saying call the suicide hotline. But like in a certain sense, like I had a buddy of mine who 
also had a similar experience. He called the suicide hotline because he was feeling really down. Um, he was in a, like a bad legal situation, you know, and um, he just felt like he had no way out. And he called the suicide hotline and it was the same thing. They, they came, they picked him up in the ambulance. Uh, they charged him for the ambulance. Um, they put him in the hospital. They put him under suicide watch and eventually ended up releasing him uh, similar to, to my situation. And I think I think the hardest part is that, like, yeah, like everybody says that they want to be suicide aware, they want to be mental health aware. But at the end of the day, everybody seems to have like uh, support exhaustion, I guess, if that's a thing that you've heard of, like where you tell somebody that you're depressed and they go, oh, that sucks. I'm sorry. And they might have like a deep conversation with you that night. But then like the next morning, when they're like, how are you doing? You're like, oh, I'm still depressed. And they're like, oh, really? You know, and then you're like, yeah, I'm still depressed. That one talk didn't fix it. Yeah, I'm still having I'm still having a lot of trouble. And they're like, oh, wow, really? And like, so it it definitely like like the whole experience. The reason I'm telling the story is that it was very eye opening for me to see that, like, wow, I had a serious mental health issue there and nobody cared. Like my wife cared, obviously, you know, um, everybody else cared. But like my wife cared, my, my parents maybe cared, but like. Beyond that, like the friends and family, it's just one of those like, you've got this problem. I hope you get over it because I'm tired of supporting you through this. And um, so I just, I just, you know, was wondering if that matched up at all to your perspective, if that was the kind of stuff that people had referred back to you, um, you know, in these, in these private chats, in these, you know, um, backstage kind of deals. The backstage deals, yeah. So, I've had in the in my lives I don't think anyone's come on and had that kind of experience but I've heard your experience before and it it uh every time I'm always it's like it's like devastating because it's like you did the right you did what was the right thing right like you went and you wanted to get help and you called the hotline I did what I thought I was supposed to do yeah yeah you know and and uh you know in in some cases I've I've heard of a uh, I've heard of like people who lost, you know, it put them in a worse spot, made, made, made them even more suicidal because they had to pay for the ambulance fees. They had um, uh, this one girl; she was she was there for like a week, basically, because she kept because for her, she's like, I'm not. I've told you, I told you, why I'm here. Like, I'm not ready to go. No one's talked to me. No one's helping me, you know. And so I've heard really, I've heard the awful side of things like that. Um, I think I think the 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 helpful side is you know when somebody can i would think like going going and finding like a like a therapist to talk to for me is kind of like i think that's one of the better ways to go because it it's talking you know and it's uh and i uh, that's what i that's what i try to encourage you know um my my uh my hopes is you know for people to reach out and and you know have a conversation and but obviously if it's like to the point where it's like you're being suicidal you're 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 on that verge then like you need to get professional help you know and that sucks because i've i've heard but i've also heard some instances where they did call the hotline and and they got picked up and they got put with a uh with a um like a crisis therapist basically and and helped them talk them out so it's it sucks that like that wasn't your experience and that hasn't been experienced for a couple people that i've that i've <clears throat> i've met so that's always been that was always a really interesting one too a lot of people assume that when I talk to people after shows, especially if it's like almost like a follow up, that it's good, <laughs> and it's not always, you know. Sure, no, mm-hmm. I get that a hundred percent. Like, mm-hmm. 
And how did that feel for you, like, as a guy that, like, because you don't know these people, you know, and I think that's the hardest part. And honestly, you like, you don't know me. Like, I mean, we've been talking for an hour, so we know each other better than we did, you know, but like, um, you know, like it, it being one of those experiences where somebody just comes and pours your heart out, you pours mm-hmm. their heart out to you. It's like, what do you do with that? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and if, if it's, and especially if it was like, and it also helped. It, it's also happened. Like, um, like I've had good friends even like come back and be like, you know, things aren't getting better, you know, and, and which is kind of also what, in, what inspired our song hope theory, you know, which was even, even before I, uh, you know, started getting into the whole conversation of, of, you know, mental health and suicide awareness. I was always trying to talk about like the, the, the possibility of change, you know, like change can happen in your life. And, and that's kind of where, that's kind of a lot of what our earlier message was. You know, things can change. Uh, we have the power to you know impact our own life. You know, that, that kind of thing. And so, you know, I'd run into like you know friends that'd be like, "Dude, things aren't getting better, man." You know, and I would always, I'd always try to stand firm and just you know saying like, "Dude, I, I understand that." Like I, and it probably, it's probably gonna not get better for a minute, dude. But it, I, I. I truly believe that if you're an active participant and wanting your life to change and you're, you're trying, you're, you're trying, you know, you're, you're taking steps to whatever that looks like, you know, whatever the situation, you know, get, get a new job or, you know, or try to try harder in your marriage, whatever it is. Like, sure. I always, yeah. I always feel like that the possibility for change, I think will always be there, you know? And so, and that's where the, that's where the original idea of hope theory came from. The song that we're, the song we actually speak about, you know, before I, before I go into hope theory, which is what that song is about is when I talk about mental illness now, you know? And so, but yeah, man, it's, it's, I would say, I would still say my, my, my advice for anyone, especially if they've had like a bad experience, I would say like getting, like finding like a therapist is I think the best and safest way, you know, because yeah, it's, it's, totally. uh, you're, ta- you're talking to somebody who's, who's listening, um, unless, you know, and then, and then I think from that, from that moment on, like if they're, if you are expressing like, like okay, like this, you know, you're suicidal, whatever it is. Then I think they'll have a better. They'll, I feel like they'll handle it better than just being like, "Hey, come get this guy," or "Hey, you know what I mean?" Like it's sure, yeah. I feel like it's. I feel like it's handled better. But so, how have you dealt with? Because um, Dan, you were talking about um, like support exhaustion. I think was the term that you yeah, said. Yeah, yeah. So like you know, you're playing show in, show out. And you're doing all these dates, and obviously you're putting yourself out there. We were kind of talking about it off air, um, but you're putting yourself out there every night, and you're talking to these fans, and you're that guy that is listening that they might not have for mm-hmm. the rest of their life. Um, but that's got to put a mental wear and tear on yourself as well. You're alone yeah. on tour, you know. You don't have you don't have a wife and kid at home that you get to call every night. You know, you have your parents, and you have your friends, and your your friends in a band. Um, but, you know, sometimes support exhaustion isn't intentional. So how mm-hmm. does how do you kind of move yourself away from that? Like, how do you deal with support exhaustion? How do you put yourself there day in and day out for complete strangers? And maybe that can help someone that's dealing with a loved one that they're uh, that they're trying to help every day. Yeah. And, and another thing that I just I just learned in school was uh, compassion fatigue, which is, you know, basically the same thing, you know. And yeah. So so for me, like. It was, it was, it was super difficult. And like, you know, this is kind of fast forwarding a little bit, but I, I, our, we've been on a five-year hiatus and I, 
it it sucks because like we our band needed a break, but it's like man, why did it have to be five years? But it had to be for me because I I learned through school, and uh, and just kind of getting being able to to speak to an actual therapist and things like that. That um you know I I I've learned to protect myself uh, mentally emotionally, um which I didn't know how to do on tour and you know for a lot of people that didn't know me as far as day to day was you know as my band became successful and as you know I was talking to more and more people we were helping it was great you know but it was it you know I I deal with my own uh, my own depression you know my for my for me my uh. For anything that happens to me, like any good thing that happens to me, you can you can you can bet money that that's I'm probably gonna go to bed like feeling like the worst, the loneliest I've ever felt in my life. Like that's just what it. That's how depression affects me. I I can't. It never lets me enjoy any kind of victory. It never lets me enjoy like happiness. Always has something behind it for me. That's that was how that was my depression growing up and and what it was during a band. So I have to. I'm dealing with that. My band's becoming the most successful it's been. And I have people just bringing me like heavy things every night, you know. And so, so then what I was doing to protect myself then was I was trying to find outlets, you know. I was I was I was uh I didn't understand what coping mechanisms were because I I uh I just I was just trying to do things to distract my brain and uh and get me to like get me back to a place where I could sleep because. It was hard. Like I wasn't sleeping. Like there was runs of uh, where I didn't know how to like disconnect. You know, and especially, you know, it's one thing when when a total stranger tells you, you know, what they're going through and what's happening. And then, you know, we we were by by 2015. I mean, we were we had toured a lot. You know, so we had friends in every city, and so some of those strangers started becoming friends that were becoming more comfortable sharing with me. So that was even harder because it's people I care about now. You know, it's someone that I truly know. Or at least have known throughout year, the years, and and so that was hard to to disconnect from and to, you know, um, like I, it's like, like you know, they tell me this stuff and then it's like, hey, we're going to the bar tonight. It's like, don't feel like hanging out, you know. I don't feel like <laughs> don't sure. feel like going out. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I feel so, that. Yeah, and so uh, I think you know Dave. Dave will probably laugh at this. So for me, uh, I got into I got into audiobooks. And then I slowly started getting into consp- conspiracies. And cons- conspiracies <laughs> nice. for me were, whether I believe them or not, whether I thought there was any credibility or not, it was something that was so so out of the norm that it forced me to think differently. So for me, like really trying to listen or, or study some kind of con- random conspiracy was a, a way for me to disconnect. Like it took my attention, you know um, – it was uh, it was just something that kept my brain, gave my brain a reset, you know, or gave it something to like pull away from. Because, like, there's just there are there are just some things that you just can't. It's just hard to walk away from. Like you can't you can't shake. And so, I just try to find different things to kind of distract myself. Like my last couple of years of of touring, I got really into um, fantasy baseball. So that was like something that kind of distracted me. And and uh, and so. And not like looking back on it now, I was pretty good at finding things to distract myself and not necessarily finding things to help me get through what I was. I was going around things, but I wasn't really going through uh, whatever it was I was feeling personally. Like I wasn't allowing myself to 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 attack it. I was more like um, trying to just survive, just 
put it on the back burner. Uh, let me let me just distract myself. You know, I got into audiobooks. Um, I started getting into like just anything I could listen to just to kind of try to quiet my brain. And so for touring, touring was super tough for me, man. And I, and I really think that um, had we not stopped when we did, I was a couple tours away from just something really bad happening to me, you know, and because uh, I, I had some I had some pretty dark moments for myself on tour. And uh, thankfully, I either was able to call somebody or I was able to to go on a walk or just different little things. I was able to finally, like, get out of it. You know, I'm also uh, I'm also uh, faith is a big part of my survival, <laughs> like, you know, and so that was also a big a big thing for me, too, you know. Uh, where a lot of people use meditation, you know, I use prayer, like prayer was like my big thing on tour. Um, and so uh, I just, I would just basically, I was basically surviving barely, which is why it sucks that we had to take that hiatus that we did, but I needed it because I didn't know how to protect myself. I didn't know how to, how to separate things. Um, you know, I'm still, I'm still learning that, you know, I'm still in school for that, but, um, you know, a part of me wishes I would have, you know, I would have loved to have known what I know now and applied it back when I was touring, you know, because I feel like I would have been able to be more, uh, I would have been able to enjoy a little bit more, <laughs> you know, so some nights would have been, I would have probably been able to sleep a little easier maybe. But, um, you know, I was, I was just kind of, I was just kind of uh, a lot of trial and error, you know, uh, when we were touring, because I was, uh, only thing I was getting what I was, what I was learning, I was trying to learn on the fly, you know, I was just reading what I could. Um, uh, we, we actually, we got, we got into, uh, you know, what was nice is we, we, you know, different people would even come come up to the show. Like, Hey, I'm a therapist. Uh, I appreciate what you said. I'm here. I'm here with a friend of mine who told me about your band. I wanted to come. I wanted to just, you know, say you're doing a good job, blah, blah. And I would take that opportunity to be like, you know, any kind of quick questions I had like, uh, yeah. Can I pick your brain for a second? Yeah. 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 Like, how do you sleep? (laughs) Um, right so it's uh-huh. well and to keep the tone from just going absolutely down the toilet um let's uh you, you know you've been talking about the 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 hiatus and how you needed the hiatus but you're talking you're talking like it's over it's the hiatus over are you looking at doing more stuff i mean obviously not in the middle of a nationwide pandemic but you know <laughs> um when that's over you know are you are you looking at, at at striking out again or are we still on hiatus well first off it would have been such a thing for our band to have announced a comeback tour like our comeback tour is going to be in march you know that would have been such a like thing yeah. for our, to happen to our band sure um you know I, so for so for us like uh like we have, we have a couple things that we have to work through internally, um, and but but at least speaking for myself, uh, I think we I'm not done. You know, I would like to at the least we have to do like a legit farewell show or farewell shows if we were to end it. Like we at least we, I feel like we at least owe it to ourselves to do that. You know, Cause we we kind of you know we played some shows in Texas a year after like. So we we went on our we went on the hi, the hiatus 2015, and then we basically we had ca- we canceled a festival in Texas, and then the year later we got to play that festival. So, you know, so 2016 was the last time we had all been together, and um, and so so for me like I'm not like I'm I'm done being a full time touring band like that's that's where I'm done, but I'm not done I'm not done playing shows I'm not done 
you know, I can, I got, I can do a, I can do a tour. I can do a month long tour. I can do, you know, whatever it is I want to, I still have, I have actually have a lot to say, you know? So, um, some of the things that our band has at least internally agreed on is, uh, we want to, we want to write, like we want to record regardless of if we end it now or, or keep going, like we want to write. So we, uh, we do have one song done. Um, it's, it's a ridiculous song for us as far as like style wise, like it's grindcore. It's, no, it's yeah, yeah, pretty much. No. <laughs> it's, it, there is nothing melodic about it. Like it is just it is. And it, what's funny is also uh, I'm not wrong. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And it's funny cause I had my, <laughs> I had uh, my buddy Dan- Daniel who, who writes our music. He, uh, he came on one of my lives and he's just like, yeah, man, I, I, I kind of want to like apologize and say sorry for like writing that song. Cause I, you know, like it has nothing for you <laughs> as far as like, <laughs> you know, the melody side, but I didn't care. I was just like, dude, it's something new. I'll write for it, whatever. And, uh, yeah. So like, so we have, we have one song where I'm confident that if Daniel gets into writing mode, like, I don't, this will, it'll be like a, like a B side or it'll be like something we just released for fun. Cause it's definitely lyrically, I stand by it, but, uh, musically it's like, it's pretty out there for us. But, um, so yeah, so I think we all we want to we want to write. Um, I think we have at least at least one more EP, maybe album. I think EP for sure in us. And then um, you got to do an album, or we can't talk about it on a discography discussion. Yeah, there you got to do a whole album, dude. And and what's what's rad is that Daniel, our guitarist, like he can do that. Like he's he's such like I've been super spoiled. Like just in general, like I'm I, the guys in my band are, are awesome dudes. And Daniel, he's the kind of guy who, like, he could, I can, I can get like a text message from him and be like, hey, man, I have an album basically. Like, I'll send it to you. <laughs> you know, I'll send you the, I'll send you what I got. Um, and so I think, so I think we, we do have more that we want to say. And I just think that, I think the, the big discussion is once we kind of figure out what's going to happen more or less internally, I think it's, uh, if, if we, if we, if we continue, what does that look like moving forward? Um, for sure. You know, are we a, are we going to be a festival van? You know, are we going to, are we, are we boy sets fire that just shows up and plays Do it. European shows all the time? <laughs> you know? Do it, man. Is Chad you know? Johnson listening? Maybe we can get a NBR on furnace fest. I'm worried yeah. about, I'm worried about furnace fest, man. I'm really worried about it. Like yeah. I'm afraid it's not going to happen. I'm, I'm, I'm terrified. It's, it's funny because people will ask us about like, like, Hey, uh, dude, if you guys, if, if, uh, if sound and fury hits you up, would you guys play it? And it's like, yeah, but they've never asked us to play it when we were a band. <laughs> so like I don't know what's can you changed. can you ask them to ask us to come right. play? Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, the 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 best one, it's flattering, but at the same time it's like, let's relax, guys. Uh it's like, hey, the ghost inside's coming back. Like, would you guys go on tour with the ghost inside? It's like, hmm, let me let me think if we would go on tour with the ghost inside. You know what I mean? It's like well, yes. it's like let's wait. <laughs> let's wait festival, for it to be yeah. on the. Let's wait for it to be on the table, and then we'll talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Right. You know, and and it's like, would we? Of course we would. You know, um, but it's it's just like one of those things for us too. It's like, you know, we could we could all meet up, you know, and jam out for a week or two, and then play some shows. You know, we could do that. But I think. It, we've at least for ourselves like if we're gonna if we if we're gonna like i said if we're gonna end it like we gotta do it right like we gotta you know pick you know venues that we want to play the bands we want to play with and then we got to really give ourselves like you know 
couple weeks to get you know prepped up again yeah prepped again you know and and do it and do it right you know because we like i said i think you know we owe it to ourselves to do that you know we we worked we worked way too hard to kind of just you know kind of just stop you know and and a lot of it you know i i kind of i kind of will shoulder a lot of like why we've been gone so long was on me you know i think we could have been back a lot sooner but i think for myself i just wasn't i wasn't ready to be back sure and yeah and i think you know I think, like I said, I'm still learning uh, a lot in school, and I think uh, I think when we do when we do come back, whatever whatever capacity, whatever it is, um, you know, I think it'll be it'll be good it'll be good for me. I'm like, I'll be more uh, I'll be more protected, <laughs> for sure. And and uh, I think I'll be able to at least you know I'll be a better listener. I've learned some l- better listening skills, I think. So yeah, so I'd, no, that's awesome, man. I. Uh... I'm going to go ahead and wrap up here. Um, we're at two hours and, uh, thank God for Joe who will actually edit this. Um, he's going to probably, <laughs> Man, ask, Joe? he's probably going to ask me for some money. He's like, dude, you guys want me to edit two hours of yeah. you guys <laughs> talking about making about hot sauce. Yeah. Taking, mm-hmm. talking about hot sauce and in illegal, uh, copies you know, of, of flyers <laughs> and, you know, all that stuff. But, uh, man, I really, I really appreciate you coming on and being super real and, and just having a good conversation. I think, I think in the midst of all of this, whatever you want to call this, um, I think there has been a cry from people to have content that is more real, that is more open and, and more honest. I know a lot of people are dealing with mental health issues now, you know, especially maybe because they've lost their jobs because of, of this stuff. And, um, they're not sure what the future holds, you know, where, where we're at and, and all of that. So, um, I think this was a good, you know, way to kind of dive into that. And, um, I, I, you know, as a fan, I appreciate the, the band history and, and, and little tidbits and stuff that I didn't know before and, and stuff like that. I mean, David, David probably could have told me everything, but I, you know, (laughs) I don't believe anything that dude says, so um, I had to hear it from the Rightfully source. So, right? <laughs> Rightfully so. He's a he's a hype machine, so you know <laughs> that that's how how it rolls there. But man, I, I really appreciate you taking the time out and chatting tonight. And um, oh, dude, thanks for having me. And and uh, you know, and and I I commend you for for sharing for sharing your story too, because I feel like that gives that gives some real content to like. You know, for somebody who may have had your experience, yeah, you know, you know, or somebody who's like been on the fence, you know, yeah, uh, maybe be cautious <laughs> moving forward. And uh, absolutely, you know, I, I I highly recommend uh, you know seeing a counselor or a therapist. So for sure. Well, thanks a lot, man. Thank you, David, for coming on. Um, don't yeah, talk so much next time. Um, you know, you, you I was just hanging on every word that you guys are saying, jumping in um, every three seconds. But uh, um, the hype guy. Yep. 